It is good to be in this space together, good to be here to worship. One of the acts of worship we get to participate in every week is giving of our gifts. This is a habit that we develop together as a community. And uh, I was at the Maroon and Gold Gala this Thursday night, which is a, uh, an opportunity for alums together and celebrate what God has done in the lives of some of our alums. And it's also a really fun opportunity for people to keep giving. So you have people, even as alums, who just make giving part of their lives. And it's really fun to talk with them about why they invest in the things that they invest in and why they choose to invest in Calvin College. And one of the things that they say again and again is because of what God has done in them when they were here as students at Calvin College. And they talk about what God has done in the lives of their children, stepchildren, grandchildren, nieces and nephews. That's all y'all. So you've got people out there who continue to give and some of them keep giving to the community care fund because they knew that made such a big difference to them when they were here. So when you give, you're in the long line of our brothers and sisters who have given so that the students on this campus can feel supported. So it's a great opportunity and let's give now as God has blessed us. We have the opportunity tonight to commission those who will be serving our community this year as prayer servants. This is a, a ministry that they do. There are people who come before the worship service and pray through the space and pray for the worship leaders. And then there are people who serve afterwards standing in the back. If anybody in the space needs prayer for something, you can go and approach them. So this is a gift that they give us. Tonight we get to set them apart for it. <laughs> 
So I invite the prayer servants to please stand. My brothers and sisters, I'll ask you three questions. First, do you promise to tend to your own spiritual lives through the practice of speaking and listening to God, attending worship, reading scripture, and growing in your love and devotion to Jesus? Second, do you promise to pray for your brothers and sisters with sincerity, listening to them well, and bringing their lives before God? Third, do you promise to keep in confidence everything entrusted to you for prayer? If so, say, we do, God helping us. In Psalm 141, it says, Let my prayers rise like incense before you, the lifting up of my hands like an evening sacrifice. And so as a reminder that your prayers are to be regular, are to be beautiful, are offered like incense, tonight Pastor Matt and Pastor Paul will give each of you an incense stick to remember this by. Thank you. That's good. That's good. Yes, I do want you to pray. You do that now. I am Pastor Matt, and uh, I have the pleasure of praying for this. So, would you join me as we continue to worship uh, through prayer? Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. We quiet ourselves before you. Lord, we, we hold up all of these things that we have, we've come before you so far. And we pray that you would work powerfully through the Spirit's presence. We thank you for this place. We thank you for Calvin College. We thank you for the ways that you are continuing to, to grow and shape us. The ways that you challenge us and encourage us. We thank you for uh, the KE apartments and the leadership there. We thank you for Jason uh, and Jenny, his wife, along with their four kids. We also thank you for Ray and her husband Tyrell and their young son. We pray a blessing over them. We pray a blessing over the whole community that they might taste and see that you are good and that you are their God. 
Lord, we, we pray for uh, greater Grand Rapids. We pray for your spirit to work powerfully in this city. May you call us to, to seek justice in this place. Lord, make us confident in our words. Make us bold in our approach. Make us people who seek justice. Lord, we pray for our world, too. We think of Puerto Rico that is still in, in tatters after a second hurricane has gone through. Lord, we pray for places that are, are affected by natural disaster, by places that long for relief. We pray that your grace might abound in those places, that peace may come quickly. We pray for, for your grace, that we might be able to see it clearly, that we may, might be able to appreciate it. We pray that we might be able to accept this gift well. You are a God of steadfast love. You are a God who keeps chasing after us, and we see that through these Old Testament characters, how you keep chasing after your people, even when they don't deserve it even when they really shouldn't get it. Lord, we're like those people, and we're grateful for your steadfast love. We pray for the word tonight, that it might work powerfully in our lives. We pray that you speak powerfully through Pastor Mary and her words. And may you move, move to, to make us do something with us, that we don't just hold on to it or, or set it down, but that we apply this, that it makes sense for us. Lord, go, go before us that you might be our guide. We pray all these things through Jesus, our Lord. Amen. All right, so we are taking a big jump tonight from Abraham to Moses, all right? So for those of you who know, that's like thousands of years, not quite, but it's a lot of years. It's like criminal that we're going that far. But just to bring you from there to there, I thought you might be helped by a flow chart, a genealogy, a who's who, and how do they all fit together. So uh, you remember Abram, later called Abraham, right? You can kind of read that a little bit. All right. I'll write bigger. Sarai, Sarah, all right. The two of them together, they make Isaac, okay? But after you're doing the Bible study, you also know that there was this little side union with Hagar, that's, that's the Hebrew. No, it's not. And who do they produce? Ishmael. Now, Ishmael ends up having 12 sons who are called the 12 princes. From Ishmael comes eventually the prophet Muhammad. And so the religion of Islam flows out of this branch. So when you talk about the three Abrahamic religions, we're talking about Judaism, Christianity, and Islam and this is why they all come out of here. All right, so Isaac, 
connects with Rebecca. Okay? They have twin sons, Jacob and Esau. All right? Jacob is the youngest, but he connives and he steals the birthright from Esau. All right? Now, Jacob has four women in his life. <laughs> Leah is his first wife. He wasn't really going for her. What he really wanted was Rachel, her younger sister. But the custom being what it was, the dad said, no, 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 first Leah, if you work seven more years, then Rachel. So he did. Plus, Leah had an assistant, handmade servant named Zilpah, and Rachel had one named Bilhah. Complications arise. <laughs> All of them have children with Jacob. Here we go. Leah has Reuben, Simeon, Levi, Judah, Issachar, Zebulun, and the daughter named Dinah. Interesting story about her. You can read that on your own time. <laughs> Zilpah has Gad and Asher. Rachel has Joseph, who we're studying this week in Bible study. So tomorrow morning in chapel will be a message about Joseph and Benjamin. All right? And then Bilhah has Dan and Naphtali. Okay, these all together are the 12 sons of Jacob who become the 12 tribes of Jacob, all right? So when we talk about the 12 tribes, we're talking about everybody who descends from these people right here. Now, also really helpful to know that God changes Jacob's name to Israel. So he is from here on out referred to both as Jacob and Israel because complicated. All right, so when you see in Scripture the God of Jacob or the God of Israel, same God, same person, that's what they're talking about. Now, from these children here, as you learned this week, if you were doing the Bible study, Judah has a little interlude with his um, daughter-in-law because she's righteous and going after the law and he's a little squirrely about it and, you know, you learned all about that, Hopefully. And if you didn't, ho oh, oh, ho, is that a story? <laughs> so, so Judah eventually becomes an ancestor of David, who eventually becomes an ancestor of Jesus. All right? You got that? That was a, that was a big jump. That was a big jump. A lot, of, a lot of generations there. The important thing to pay attention to here is it is not the firstborn who carries on the name, right? So Jacob's the youngest, Isaac's the youngest, Judah is number four, right? So God likes to mess with the orders of things and upset things. So if your life gets messed up and unordered, that's just God. Don't worry about it. <laughs> and then 
Levi, it's important to know, Levi and his descendants, when they all go into the land, Levi and his tribe become the priests. And so everybody else, um, they get to rotate and take care of the temple, and everybody else tithes to the temple, and that tithe goes to them, all right, the Levites who take care of it. Now, from Levi come Miriam and Aaron and Moses, way later. But all of them are from the priestly class. They're from the priestly house, okay? Now, way, way down the line, we get two kingdoms, Israel and Judah. Ten tribes go this way. Two tribes, Judah and Benjamin, go this way. This is the northern kingdom. This is the southern kingdom. So that happens after David's... uh, sons have issues and they all fight and they part. That's in the future. But just so you know, that's how the name gets passed on. So Israel, first a person, and then the 12 tribes of Israel, and then becomes the nation of Israel, and then they split into Israel and Judah. So that's kind of the overlay of where we're going. So we go today, we did Abraham and Sarah, we're going to pick up the story with Moses. Now, Moses has a lot that happens in his life, as you know. He is the one that God chooses to go and let the people out from Egypt. Yes. He's the one, he says, go and get my people out of Egypt. And he doesn't really want to, but he does because God. And he goes and he gets them out of Egypt and the whole 10 plagues happen and he gets them across the Red Sea and they go into the wilderness and the people keep complaining and complaining and complaining and he puts up with a lot. All right? And it's been years that they've been in the wilderness together and Moses has been their leader and he has been faithful and he has done what God has asked. He and Aaron have put up with a lot. And then their sister Miriam dies who's been their advocate, who's been their champion, who's been their leader. And then the people complain again. And that's where we're going to pick up the story. This is the story from Numbers chapter 20. Numbers chapter 20. It will be acted out for you, but you'll also want to have your texts open. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, the fourth book, chapter 20. Hear the word of the Lord. He and Aaron gathered the assembly together in 
rebels? Must we bring water from this stone for you? Because you did not trust in me enough to honor me as holy in the sight of the Israelites, you will not bring this community into the land I give them. These were the waters of Merah, where the Israelites quarreled with the Lord, and where he was proved holy among them. This is the word of our Lord. Thanks be to God. So that's a hard story, right? When we're talking about which story of Moses to preach, since you could do like a year on Moses, we all thought about this story because it's such a challenging one. Here Moses has been the guy, right? He has been God's man for years. He has put up with so much. He has led these people. He and Aaron together have put up with everything. They've done everything then now they get to this point, and they are exhausted. They are depleted. Imagine, after they fall on their faces at the tent of meeting, where they're so exhausted, they don't even say anything to God. They come out of the tent of meeting, and imagine them walking to the rock and having people continue to yell at him, We don't have any water! There's not even any figs here. Why did you bring us here? Why did you do this to us? And these are two brothers who are in grief over the loss of their sister. There are two leaders who are weary of the whining of their people. They are exhausted. They are depleted. They are empty. They get up to that rock and they basically say, listen, you jerks. You want water? We'll give you water. And they hit the rock. Now, if the big problem in this story was the fact that they got angry at their people, or if the big problem in this story is that they hit the rock instead of speaking to the rock, if God's being that fussy about things, then the punishment that after all this time they don't go into the land, that seems a little harsh, right? So there must be something else going on. There must be something else that makes God react so strongly. And that can be seen in verse 10. In verse 10, Moses says, Listen, you rebels. Shall we bring water from this rock for you? Shall we bring water from this rock for you? Moses and Aaron, after all of this time of lifting up God and pointing to God, at this particular moment in time, they step up and they push God out of the way. Shall we bring water from this rock for you? You see, the whole book of Numbers, if you read it, it's the people complain, and then God provides. And then the people complain, and then God provides. And the people complain again and again and again. They are pretty sure that God is messing this whole thing up. Their complaints again and again are basically, you know, if we were in charge of this show, things would be going much differently. 
You aren't doing this right. Nobody's doing this right. We are tired of this. We should be in charge, not God. And so in this incident in Numbers 20, we have a micro display of the macro problem of the whole book, which is that the people want to be God. They really want to push God out of the way and say, you are not doing a very good job at this. We would like to step up. Please step aside. That's, that's the book of Numbers. And if you've been paying attention, it's actually kind of the whole Bible. Because Adam and Eve do this, and Abram and Sarai do this, and Rebecca and Jacob and Judah. Everybody kind of does this like, you know, I know a little bit better. I've got a better idea of how this whole thing should go down. And it's really tempting for us to think, wow, those Bible people, they really had an issue. But how many of us, when life goes awry, and someone we love dies, or gets fired, or is diagnosed with something, how many of us don't say, you know, God, if it were up to me, things would be going much differently now. That's our temptation, isn't it? If it were up to us, if we were in charge, if we could be the ones, things would go much better. I talked this week with a student who had his hit-the-rock moment recently. And it cost him. And he was trying to figure out what had happened to lead him to that moment. And so we spent some time and looked at his life, and we realized that there was just a lot that he had stepped into. There had been a professor who asked him to take on a special project, and even though he didn't have the time, he said yes. And he had a number of friends who were going through relationship struggles, and for some reason they all see him as like the guru of relationships. And so he was spending all this time with his friends, thinking with them about their relationships. And then he had a, a sibling who just started at Calvin, and he was trying to make sure that that sibling had the best possible start to the Calvin year. And then he was trying to do three majors, which, by the way, don't ever do that. <laughs> and he just... He was basically saying, you want water? I'll give you water. Except he couldn't. He was giving and giving and giving to the point where he just emptied him out. And he fell into bad stuff because he had no resources for himself. Because he wasn't God. And neither are you. And just to be clear, neither am I. <laughs> but that's our temptation, isn't it? We're pretty sure that if it's up to us, we can fix things. Mom and dad having a little trouble in their marriage, we're pretty sure that if we just go home for the weekend, we can smooth that whole thing right on out. We have a friend who's addicted to porn or binge drinking, and we're sure that if we can just sit down and have a good conversation with her, she will sober right up. 
We have a friend, someone we love who is not yet a believer, and we know that it's up to us, that it's on us, that if we just try really, really hard, we can bring that person into the kingdom. And this doesn't just happen relationally. It also happens when we start living into our career choices. You go to do teacher aiding at a school, and there's this one kid who always sits in the back, and this is really struggling, and you're sure that you're the one who can pour into this kid and help him. You go out on clinicals for nursing and there's one patient and she's really stubborn and she doesn't take her meds and she doesn't listen and she's non-compliant and you're sure that if you just work with her over the course of the semester, you can straighten her right out. You get assigned a volunteer for your kinesiology class and you lay out all the workout plans for the whole rest of the semester and you know by the time December comes you're going to change this person's life. We like to be God for other people. And if we're honest, we also like other people to be God for us. Surely this counselor will be the one to fix me. Surely this graduate school visit will be the one to clarify my future. Surely if mom talks to this professor, she will clear everything right up. By the way, don't ever have your mom call a professor. <laughs> Surely there's someone else out there who can do for me the things that I most need. I can be God for other people and other people can be God for me until we all end up depleted and depressed and crabby because we can't be. We can't be. This is why God is so swift with his punishment of Aaron and Moses because they set themselves up to be God for the people. And now it's tempting to look at their situation, to think they were depleted, their sister had just died, they were exhausted, they don't even say anything when they fall down in the tent of meeting. I mean, they were in a horrible spot. Now, don't we all say things we regret when we're tired and we're grieving and we're depleted? I mean, they probably just, they said something out of turn in the moment. But it's pretty easy to trust God when we're feeling good, isn't it? When I'm well-rested and well-fed and life is good and everything is fine, it's very easy to say, God is good all the time, all the time, God is good. It's when life isn't going good and we're sick or tired or we're overwhelmed and stressed when things just keep hitting us one thing after another, it's then when we most need to be able to say, look to God, trust in God, point to God. And that's why in that moment when Aaron and Moses instead said, look to us, God said, we got to shut this down. This is not the way this works. He needed his leaders, Aaron and Moses, in the moment, 
Because they were depleted, because they were sad, because they were empty, he needed them in that moment to teach the people that when you're depleted, that's when you look to God. That's when you trust. That's when you remember his holiness and righteousness and not your own. This is why one of the Ten Commandments is, you shall have no other gods before me. It's not because God's threatened other gods, thinking some other god out there is going to steal his thunder. It's because our God knows that no other god can be trusted. And he doesn't want us to live with broken hearts. No other god can be trusted, including you. When I was talking with that student about his life and the choices he had made and where that had gotten him, we realized that he had to fire himself. He had to fire himself from some of these roles that he had taken on that he was not equipped to have. All-star student, all-star brother, all-star friend, all-star right hand to the professor. He had to just fire himself from these jobs. And so he literally quit things and stopped doing things and surrendered people over and we practiced lines that he was going to say to his friends like, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> That's all you gotta do. Yeah, I don't know, I'll be praying on that one for you. Let it go. You cannot fix your friends. You cannot fix your enemies. You cannot fix the country. You cannot fix the world. This story about Moses and Aaron putting themselves in the place of God is a reminder to all of us that this is our temptation. This is what we want to do. We want to put ourselves in the place of God. And God's judgment on them is so swift because he knows that it will kill Moses and Aaron if they try to do that and it will kill the people if they try and follow them. God humbles us because he wants us to live. God invites us to trust in him and not ourselves because we are very bad at things. He is very good at things. There is a Messiah and it's not you. Jesus came into this world to save us from sin and death and hell, yes, and our own egos. It is Jesus who says, you want water? I'll give you water. I am living water. If you come to me, you will be refreshed. If you come to me, you will find exactly what you need. If you come and follow me and trust in me, you will never go thirsty again. You want water, Jesus says. I am living water.
So what area in your life are you trying to control very carefully? What area in your life or in the lives of somebody else are you pretty sure that God is messing up right now? Where has your ego taken first place? Tonight, by the grace of God, we all get to be fired from that job. Tonight, by the grace of God, we get to put God back on the throne. Tonight, by the grace of God, when we are depleted, when we are empty, when we are stressed, when we are grief-stricken, we get to point other people to the only one in whom they can place their trust. We get to point other people to Jesus Christ who knows what it's like to be empty and defeated and betrayed. We get to point other people to the only God who can help them. That's what we get to do. There is a God, and it's not us. Blessed be his holy name.